Tell me to what you pay attention and I'll tell you who you are. And that is the quote of the day. Quote of the day show. I'm your host, Sean Croxton at SeanCroxton.com. I'm gonna keep it totally real with you. I have this thing about pronouncing people's names the right way. If you have a name that's, you know, different, hard to pronounce, I will sit there with you for minutes trying to perfect the pronunciation of your name. Because it's your name, it's super important. You want it to be said the right way. You know, every once in a while somebody calls me seen, which totally blows my mind. But anyway. I scoured the internet trying to find the correct pronunciation for today's speaker, and I couldn't find it, so I don't want to botch his name. He is the abbot and director of the Rochester Zen Center, and I love this talk because I think it was this week last year when I made the decision to go to the Transcendental Meditation class. And I will tell you, it was the best decision I ever Made. Like people are like, I don't want to pay all that money to, you know, learn this, this uh, mantra and just sit there for 20 minutes twice a day. This is stupid. Best money I ever spent by far. Transcendental meditation will change your life. You know how like people will consume something to take the edge off? Like my edge is always off. I am so chill. Like there are people who I'll bump into who I used to hang out with, you know, years ago. And they'll be like, man, your energy is different. I hear it all the time. Like something's like different about you. You used to seem real, real chill. You're not all like intense and stuff like you used to be. I'm like, yeah, man, it's been meditating. And they get curious about it. I tell them about it. It's like, yo, I sit down twice a day for 20 minutes. I say my mantra over and over and over again. And every benefit that today's speaker talks about during today's talk, I experience. And I will never stop meditating ever in my life. If I miss a meditation, it bothers me. Like, I'll just be like, I'll literally get out of bed and be like, okay, I got to meditate. And I'll sit down and I'll meditate and then I'll go to bed because I know just what it does. And so I remember, I'm kind of like probably talking too much today, but whatever, I want people to meditate. So I remember back in the day, like on the Underground Wellness Show, Dr. Kalish, like just trying to encourage me to, to motivate. I was like, yeah, I'll do it someday. Da, 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 da. And you know, you hear people meditate and you're like, oh, that, that's, that's weird. I can't shut my brain off, all this stuff. It's not gonna work, da, 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 da. Yo, it works. And if you think you can't shut your brain off, that is not the point. You just sit there and you just observe your thoughts. You just chill out and you get better and better and better at it over time. Like it used to be so challenging for me to sit down for five minutes and meditate. Now 20 minutes just flies by. And there is a grand difference between how I feel throughout the day when I meditate versus when I don't. So I just encourage you, encourage, encourage, encourage you to meditate. Just go grab a book on meditation or just sit down in the morning for five minutes and just breathe. In for two seconds, out for two seconds. And just observe your thoughts and just hang out. And then your timer will go off and you'll get up and you'll just go along with the rest of your day. 
and just add a minute every week. And next thing you know, it'll be 20 minutes. And if there's a Transcendental Meditation Center somewhere in your area, go and do that thing. Okay, here's our speaker. I'm going to start by talking about uh, some, uh, a study that was done in the 1980s. It was a study on happiness. Uh, and it was applied to two populations. One were people who had just been diagnosed HIV positive, and the other were lottery winners. Some of you may have heard about this. They came back four years later, and they tested them again, and they found that the people who had been diagnosed HIV positive four years earlier reported higher levels of happiness than the lottery winners. Now, what this points to, as I see it, is that the mind determines our experience of life. That yes, there are, there are circumstances and conditions, of course, that are important, but largely our, our experience of life is determined by the mind. And this is supported by many hundreds or thousands of true stories of people who transcended uh, extraordinarily different, diff difficult circumstances in uh, uh, prison camps uh, and, and prisons and many other things. We have this tremendous ability to change our experience of, of the world. There are two ways of understanding this. One is, is as a matter of perception. That, and this is, this is something that uh, neuroscience also supports it points to is that what we think of as reality is really our interpretation of it. Uh, that the, the mind, each one of us, our mind is like a filter uh, that um, filters out uh, what we don't want to experience and this comes and gives us what we do want to experience. Uh, this is enormously important. Uh, it's, 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 it's a matter of perception. The second thing is a matter of function, where we learn through meditation to how to direct our attention, that we have a choice as to where we direct our attention. Uh, the, the image I like best is a flashlight. We can use the mind like a flashlight. A flashlight has a beam, say we're in the dark, you can flick that beam in any direction, and this has enormous consequences uh, because where we pay attention uh, will also determine our experience. The uh, great Spanish philosopher and writer, Jose Ortega y Gasset, said, tell me to what you pay attention, and I'll tell you who you are. Most people don't, don't use this tremendous tool this flashlight of how to direct attention. But when you do, you confirm what, what Ortega y Gasset was saying, which is that the quality of our life is not determined so much by what we do as what we are, what we are, how we use the mind. And related to that, of course, is the way we respond uh, in, in all situations. Now. I'm guessing that, that what I say from here on out is going to be true uh, perhaps of many kinds of meditation. Zen is just one kind, but I'm going to talk about Zen 
uh, particularly, first of all, because that's what I've been doing my whole life, is practicing Zen meditation. But secondly, because Zen can be done, Zen meditation can be done uh, without the use of any religious elements. You can do deep Zen meditation uh, without any religious images, ideas, beliefs, dogma. It's kind of a generic uh, kind of meditation at one level. So then what is the work of Zen meditation? Primarily, just to keep it simple, it's learning to detach from thoughts. That thoughts, our thoughts are just one aspect of our mind, our consciousness. Now, I'm not suggesting that we have to abandon thinking. Thinking is a marvelous, obviously a marvelous endowment that we have as human beings. We need to use our thinking minds in analytical ways, and in evaluative ways all the time. Uh, but what we would say in Zen is we need to balance that function of the mind, that, that discriminating function of the mind, uh, what we call the higher functions of the mind, with this other realm of consciousness that opens up when we learn to detach from our thoughts. So what happens? Well, first of all, uh, I, would, I would say that, of course, meditation, and I'm talking about not meditation once a month, but daily meditation, regular meditation, it reduces stress. Any kind of meditation, I should believe, would reduce stress, make you more calm and centered. Uh, consider the image of a snow globe. Uh, you shake a snow globe, and this is the condition of the mind before meditation. And in Zen, what we're doing is just setting it down, just setting that snow globe down, allowing thoughts to settle. Nothing very exotic, just letting thoughts settle. Another thing that I should think would be assumed by anyone is that, that meditation would stabilize your emotions, would help you uh, with your whole emotional life. It does this, as I see it, in my experience, uh, by, again, enabling us to detach from our thoughts. So consider anger. There's the initial experience, the triggering experience that may provoke anger in us. But then beyond that, uh, so much of, of what, what gets us into trouble with anger is our thinking about the person that provoked us, thinking about what we might say back to the person or do to the person. It's the chewing on, on what has happened. Uh, in the same, whether it's anger or it's anxiety or fear or sadness, sorrow, it's, it's human, of course, to have, have these kinds of emotions, but what we don't have to do is cling to them. That's where we really wreak havoc in our emotional life. A third, I should think, obvious benefit of meditation is that it develops concentration. And anything we do with stronger concentration, we're going to do more capably, uh, even eventually more masterfully. Now, in addition to these things, uh, which, which will make you a more stable, more competent uh, person, uh, there's a whole different level of benefits that come from med meditation. And these have to do with our, the way our perspective is changed through meditation. So consider, I'm going to throw another analogy at you, consider uh, thoughts errant, random, irrelevant thoughts, the kind of thing that flits through the mind all the time. Consider this as 
the, the waves on the surface of the ocean, uh, a lot of turmoil, a lot of buzzing of the mind. Uh, you know, when I say this, the, the problem is that, that many people don't know how much their mind is buzzing all the time. It's like being on the surface of the ocean and just bobbing all the time and not ever experiencing what it is to get underneath the waves into the depths of the ocean. Now, what this does for us, first of all, uh, through, through this, this accessing a different realm of consciousness, uh, we, we find that we can uh, get underneath problems. So what kind of problems? Uh, ethical issues. What are, what, are, what are the thorny problems? Ethical issues. What is more, more complex than ethical issues? Uh, we also find that we can face life decisions, that is, whether to get married, whether to take this job or that job, and so forth. This too, by, by meditating on it, we can get underneath those, the surface waves and a whole new world opens up to us. And then, in the same way, we tap into what I would call the source or the, 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 the womb of, of mind, of creativity, actually. Uh, in doing that, we also find we can, we can open up resources we never knew we had. When I'm writing an article and I'm getting all tangled up in some, what am I trying to say here, I find that if I just sit down, cross my legs, in no time, I'm underneath all of that discursive thought, and somehow things suddenly become much clearer. It's, it's really, it feels like cheating uh, to do that, but it really works very well. One other aspect of this change perspective is on a much more, uh, say, a macro level, which is cha it changes our, our, our way of understanding our place in the world. So, uh, in Zen, we, 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 we understand that, that as long as we're, we're using just this, this discriminating mind, this uh, what most people think of when they call the mind, uh, as long as we're doing that, we tend to see things fragmented. We see things divided. And especially we see things in terms of self and other, us and them. Uh, when we get under those waves, then we experience the unity of things. And this has tremendous implications. Because the truth is that uh, within all of our differences, and every, of course everyone is unique, every single person is unique, within those differences there is a sameness. And, and in meditation then we are, we are not denying our differences. We're not denying the world of, of, uh, of, of discrimination but we're balancing it with this other aspect. You know, in terms, again, of the ocean, this, it's the depths of the ocean is what unites, it's the silence in these depths that unite us. And this, this reveals, ultimately, through awakening or enlightenment, this reveals what is beyond the ego and its way of dividing the world. And, of course, this has tremendous implications. Awakening from this nightmare, this dualistic nightmare of self and other, us and them, this is ultimately what's possible. Thank you. 
All right. You can learn more about our speaker at www.rzcorg.com. That's Rochester Zen Center. And if you want to watch today's entire talk, go to the YouTube and punch in meditation, change your mind, change your life in the person's name. I'm out. Meditate. Try it out. It's thebomb.com. I'll see you tomorrow. Peace.